Hi, my name is Sarah Sloan, and you're listening to The Sarah Sloan Show. Hope you guys are all awake out there and having a wonderful day. I'm joined here with my father, and we are going to discuss the news. So let's start off with uh, a clip of Jen Psaki and Peter Ducey, as we normally do. And it is about uh, Biden claiming that he had gone to the border during his CNN town hall with Anderson Cooper. Mm. Uh, And so... Peter Ducey has some questions about that. There is a focus right now on a photo op. The president does not believe a photo op is the same as solutions. That may be a difference he has with Republicans. That's not what he said either. He said, I guess I should go down. So does he think that he needs a photo op? Is that what he's saying? Jen, the leader of the union representing FedEx, UPS, and DHL is saying that supply chain problems are going to get worse with labor shortages right before the holidays unless the president postpones the requirement to get vaccinated by December 8th. So what is more important to this president, the vaccine mandates or fixing the supply chain as fast as possible? Well, first I would say that that is not actually what we've seen at companies that have implemented these vaccine requirements that are not even part of federal law and, yet. Let I me just let me just finish. I'm going to let you talk. Don't worry about it. I'm going to let you talk. Okay. So American and Southwest CEOs have made clear this will they, their uh, work workers will not be there. Uh, there won't be a labor shortage. Uh, we've seen United Airlines implement this. And as we've also said, as we work to implement these federal employee requirements, the first step is not firings. It's actually education and counseling. So we don't actually anticipate these disruptions. What we've seen for companies who have implemented these requirements is it increased from 20 to 90 percent. Last thing, and then I'll let you ask your follow-up, is that the other piece of this is that COVID is an enormous labor disruptor, not only because it's the number one cause of death in some industries and some uh, professions, including police forces across the country, but because people are out sick, people are worried about coming to work. This is one of the reasons that a lot of these companies have implemented these requirements. Just so that I understand the position then, this union leader says that the looming December 8th mandate for having fully vaccinated workforces creates a significant supply chain problem. You say no, it does not. Is that right? We, uh, what I would point to, Peter, is the uh, evidence we've seen from companies, uh, large companies, private sector companies that have implemented these requirements across the board. Okay, following up on something else the president said last night, why did President Biden say he has been... Well, here, let me pause that. And uh, with the supply chain issues, one thing that they were suggesting was having the National Guard help uh, with the supply chain issues. Um, Biden was saying that uh, he was absolutely willing to take that option. And this was October 21st, so that wasn't that long ago. He said, yes, absolutely, positively, I would do that. The answer is yes. If If we can't move to increase the number of truckers which we're in the process of doing. Um, But I think, yeah, he has now said that that's not going to happen. But he, basically, he does this town hall, Mm. says all these things, and then later they have to backtrack on everything he just said. You know, you think about it, the National Guard are great, but could they step in for a pilot? It's just... (laughs) Could they step in for a truck driver? You know, there's certain elements of training in all these fields. And if these uh, National Guards people are not, you know, I guess maybe there are some generic jobs working at the ports, uh, maybe. But but for those, no. Yeah, and the White House even clarified and said that that would have to be a decision made by individual states. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whenever you join the National Guard, that's probably not the first thing you think of doing. 
It's <laughs> like, I'm going to help and be a trucker. <laughs> uh, we just made you a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I didn't learn anything. Get in there. Do it for your country. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's see. Uh, now she's going to get in. They're getting into the border talk. Mm. And to the border. Well, Peter, uh, as you may have seen, there's been uh, reporting that he uh, did drive through the border when he was on the campaign trail in 2008. And he is certainly familiar <laughs> with the fact, and it stuck with him, with the fact that uh, in El Paso, uh, the border goes right through the center of town. But what the most important thing uh, everyone should know and understand is that the president has worked on these issues throughout his entire career and is well-versed in every aspect of our immigration system, including the border. That includes when he was vice president and he went to Mexico and Central America 10 times to address border issues and talk about what we can do to reduce the number of migrants who are coming to the border. He worked in a bipartisan manner with senators like Ted Kennedy, Harry Reid, John McCain, and others to push for comprehensive immigration reform. Uh, he does not need a visit to the border to know what a mess was left by the last administration. That's his view. Does that count as a visit? He said, I've been there before. You're saying he drove by for a few minutes. Does that count? What do you, What is the root cause? Where are people coming from who are coming to the border, Peter? The president said that I'm he asking, has been I'm asking you a question because I think people should understand the context. No, you're where do people, where do people, I'm asking you if that Okay, counts. I'll answer it for you. People come from Central America and Mexico to go to the border. The president has been to those countries 10 times to talk about border issues. There is a focus right now on a photo op. The president does not believe a photo op is the same as solutions. But he said, that may be a difference he has with but, Republicans. But that's not what he said either. He said, I guess I should go down. So does he think that he needs a photo op? Is that what he's saying? He, is that he doesn't. And that's a fundamental disagreement he has. I would say the former president went to the border at least once, maybe more. You may know that the numbers. How did that immigration policy result, Peter? That immigration policy resulted in separating kids from their parents, building a border wall that's feckless and that costs billions of dollars for taxpayers. The president fundamentally disagrees has, on how we need to approach the immigration anything issue. Anything changed at the border between 2008 when he drove by and 2021? Aside from the fact that migrants are still coming to the border through the course of Democratic and Republican presidents and the, uh, the, the need to reform the immigration system is even farther long overdue, no. But we need to work with Democrats and Republicans to get that done. I think we're going to have to keep chugging along here. <laughs> it's good to chug along when you're getting harder on something that you don't really have good answers for. Well, you know, he like drove through. 2008 that's yeah. 13 years ago that was just yesterday yeah and so it's, it's been dealt with because mm -hmm. he drove through magically it just whatever he touches it's fixed so if he goes down then it's not a photo op but if they want him to go down then they want him to go down for a photo op because so anything coming from conservatives is photo op anything that originates with them is not a photo op yeah, it's so weird. And and I understand that uh, that argument of, mm -hmm. is me going down there really going to make a difference? Mm -hmm. How about we just deal with policies, and then that'll actually make the difference? Because certainly, you can make laws uh, that would fix this, and you don't need to go down there. She described the wall as feckless. <laughs> if there was a wall right now, and they had let Trump finish, n none of this would be happening. Well, you know, that's kind of taking a crack at a lot of countries around the world that have walls and fences on their borders. 
you're right there are there's tons and so for them it's it's okay for us it would be bad imagine a house with no walls <laughs> imagine living in a you know a gated community with no gate and it's wide open yeah no and they don't they don't have to deal with that stuff so mm. um okay and now we're going to go to um the Alec Baldwin situation. Mm. There's just bits of information creeping out, but it's just, it's just not a lot. Um, but let's listen to this clip. About stupid. I mean, Hollywood stupid. If this TMZ report is true, using a, a, a prop gun to putting live bullets in a prop gun and using it in, in a movie. What's your reaction? Yeah. Good afternoon, Eric. I'll tell you when I, when I heard this, like a lot of people, I was trying to figure out what was going on. And as these reports have come out, they've actually been even more troubling than what was originally reported. I think a lot of people think that because something is a Hollywood prop, that it's not dangerous. And an example I was giving a friend the other day is I said, well, they used a DeLorean as a prop in Back to the Future. That doesn't mean that you couldn't run somebody down with it. So when they call something a prop or, or a replica, very often it is a live firearm capable of having real bullets and inflicting uh, real tragedy. And that's exactly what it seems happened here. There's also the report that uh, live rounds, live ammunition was stored in the same area, according to TMZ, as the blanks used in the movie. That would seem to violate every safety protocol there would ever be on a movie set. Yeah, it, it is incredibly reckless, especially if you're using a firearm that is capable of taking live ammunition. In this case, it seems like it was a, uh, an old cowboy style gun uh, to kind of relate to something familiar to people. So it was an old style revolver that would fit in the period that this movie was supposed to be covering. But a lot of times the firearms have special reducers in the barrel or they can't actually accept live ammunition. They can only accept blanks, for instance. That apparently was not the case with this particular firearm, which means that trying to mix live ammunition with the blank ammunition that would otherwise go in the gun is just really a tragedy waiting to happen. It is such a tragedy and so unnecessary and so avoidable if it would seem professional uh, restraints and guidelines were followed here. Uh, another point, remember Brandon Lee, Bruce Lee's son was tragically Absolutely. killed by a, a 44 slug in the movie The Crow back in 1993. In that case, it was a, a part of a, a cartridge, apparently, uh, killed him. There were blanks in the gun. Any gut or any sense from you about what may have happened here? Uh, if this was a, a live uh, round or a part of a live round, how, how does that work? So based on the injuries that were, uh, that were described uh, that actually killed Ms. Hutchins, it sounds like that this was a full-on projectile, uh, not a wad, for instance, or a piece of paper that would go in some types of blank ammunition, uh, but an actual live metallic round. And, and that's based on some reports that the round actually penetrated her chest, went through and, and struck mm -hmm. the, uh, the producer. So that strongly implies that it was a live round of ammunition and not a blank, which is why it is even more important if you're using an actual firing working um, revolver that you have to keep the live ammunition 
completely away from where the blank ammunition is. And, and frankly, that responsibility falls to the armor that's on set, but even an actor picking up a firearm, because these actors do get training about mm. safe handling of firearms. And, you know, you are taught if you're handling a firearm that every firearm is loaded and you never point a firearm at something unless you intend to shoot it. So if you follow those safety rules, you can avoid something like this, even if there was a tragedy, like a mix up in the types of ammunition. But it, apparently that was not followed either. Just so uh, crushing and, and sad. Uh, Scott Sweeto, former ATF deputy assistant director, certainly they'll get to the bottom of this. And it does sound, as you describe it, that it was potentially a live round because it did penetrate her and, and hit the director. Yeah, it seems very fishy, whatever is going on. And mm -hmm. then I keep on thinking, yeah, because we, we've done a gun training before, and that is always the case. You don't point it at anything you're not wanting to shoot. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, obviously, if there's a scene where you're shooting someone, that's different. But these weren't other actors. So why was he pointing the gun at them? Mm. Or why were they even in the line of sight? You know, I wonder, was this, this doesn't appear that it was a, a live scene. You know, they weren't recording. Oh, wow. You know, I, I think they would have said that. So that's true. This is just kind of getting ready for recording or something like that. So they hand him the gun and he proceeds to fire it pointing it at somebody. So I don't know. There's a lot of questions here. You know, I, I think it's really good to kind of stay away from personalities, politics, and something like this. It, it appears to just be an accident. And I think we should all start with that assumption, but obviously there's investigation. Oh yeah. Uh, I see it as a lot of careless actions, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that, there is malicious intent in any of it. Mm. So, um, but yeah, it, the mixing of the rounds, like that really is insane. Mm. That is insane. You know, I read something in the story that there were some workers on the movie that quit just shortly before this accident occurred. And that the reason they quit was because of unsafe conditions. Oh, I heard something that there were complaints about low pay. Oh, okay. It was a pay issue? It might be both. Mm. Yeah, it might be both. But I wonder if they're ever going to release this movie or anything. You know, I, I don't know at this point. You know, to me, this is such a tragedy that, yeah, I would think as to that movie, you know, it would be difficult. And I think it's difficult, you know, for him to even go forward in his career. It's, it's that bad. You know, how, how do you get past something like that? You know, that uh, I guess obviously there's a lot of elements of accident, but, you know, he had the gun, he fired the gun, and there's so many questions surrounding, you know, lack of safety and violation of rules. It, it just looks so bad and questionable that, you know, I think it would be difficult going forward. Yeah, and then the biggest irony of it all is that Hollywood is typically the left mm. and they criticize guns and anyone who uses a gun. The reality is it doesn't seem like they actually know how to handle one mm. because if you look at people that do and that live with guns and everything else, they are usually the safest people.
So there, there is that kind of thing mm-hmm. as well. And all these actors, uh, yeah, somebody else brought up the point of if guns are so abhorrent to you, why would you even be willing to be in a movie where you're handling a gun? Mm. You know? You know, and, and just also, of course, the element that by, you know, having a lot of use of guns in movies, you're normalizing it to the public through the messaging of the movies, which doesn't seem to be what they want to do. Yes, I've always thought that. I've always thought it was just, it seemed kind of hypocritical of them. Personally, I, I you know, ha- probably half the stuff we watch has guns in it. Mm-hmm. Even the safer stuff, like we, we watch Perry Mason, Mission Impossible, and guns, mm. you know. It's just a huge part of life, so I'm definitely not wishing that away. But yes, if we're talking about the hypocritical argument, then that is it. Uh, but yeah, let's go to the verse. It's going to be James 1, verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Yeah. You know, when we're under trial, it is not easy to persevere. You know, you can just read that verse and think of abstract trial, but trial is what is difficult for us. And it may be different for different people, but you know, if you're going through a health crisis or a relational problem or family discord or um, all kinds of things, they hit us very deeply. And to persevere under that is not easy, but yet, God rewards that, and especially if it's with him and through him, uh, that's what he blesses and gives that crown. Yeah, and usually the it's much easier to tell about your past failings than, um, well, successes usually come from failing, so mm-hmm. trials can really become a part of who we are, and they can become a thing that we look back on uh, that gave us strength, so... A person without any trials, mm. what kind of person would that be? Someone who's pretty entitled and doesn't understand how things work in the world. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so in a way, yeah, we need to be grateful for trials. And yeah, the fact that we have God. For the people that have trials and they don't have God, that's mm-hmm. that's a whole other animal mm-hmm. that I wouldn't want to mess with. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening to the show. And I hope you enjoyed it. And... Stay safe out there.